put your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to turn to Isaiah chapter 42. And we're going to read quite a long passage. I went through it um, a few times and I thought, well, how could I just choose different bits to make the reading a bit shorter? And then I just thought, no, I can't. Um, And it's difficult. I know it's difficult when someone's preaching on a passage and it's going to be a long passage. If you haven't got the words in front of you, it's kind of difficult. But um, I'd like to read the whole passage. That's all right. It's quite a long one. From chapter 42, verse... um, Let's go from verse 18. From 42 and then right into 44, verse 5. So Isaiah, uh, the sort of first uh, 39 chapters is the book of judgment and then comes the book of uh, uh, comfort. And uh, so he writes... Prophesies. Hear you deaf, look you blind and see. Who is blind but my servant, and deaf like my messenger I send? Who is blind like the one in covenant with me, blind like the servant of the Lord? You have seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but you do not listen. It pleased the Lord for the sake of his righteousness to make his law great and glorious. But this is a people plundered and looted, all of them trapped in pits or hidden away in prisons. They have become plunder with no one to rescue them. They have been made loot with no one to say, send them back. Which of you will listen to this or pay close attention in time to come? Who handed Jacob over to become loot and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? For we would not follow his ways. We did not obey his law. So he poured out on them his burning anger, the violence of war. It enveloped them in flames, yet they did not understand. It consumed them, but they did not take it to heart. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right so that others may hear and say it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, 
nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no saviour. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses and the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals will honor me and jackals and the owls because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Yet you have not called on me, Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not brought any fragrant calamus for me, or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins, and wearied me with your offenses. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And remembers your sins no more. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. Your first father sinned. Those I sent to teach you rebelled against me. So I disgraced the dignitaries of your temple. I consigned Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. But now listen, Jacob, my servant Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, And who will help you, do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. And some will say, I belong to the Lord. And others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand, the Lord's. And we'll take the name Israel. Gosh, it's a long passage, isn't it? Let's pray together. We thank you for the Bible, your word that we can have in our hands and read. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to breathe upon us that as we look at this passage, we may hear your voice. And that you may speak to each one of us in that unique way that you do. We thank you for the prophet Isaiah who spoke in a time many years before you came, Jesus. And he saw the days they were in and he saw the future and he also saw the day when you would come. We thank you for his word to us. And we thank you that that word of prophecy still stands today. Help us to take it to heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. I've kind of... 
uh, called this talk The Fear Factor. I don't know if any of you have um, irrational fears or phobias. Um, The word phobia, you may know, comes from the Greek meaning a panic out of proportion. And uh, I've heard that there are at least 332 unique phobias that have been identified so far. Some of them are uh, common ones. You will know arachnophobia, spiders. Anyone got that one? No? Okay. Acrophobia. Fear of heights. Very good, Tim. There's a few of those. Astrophobia, thunder and lightning. Now, see if you get this one. Ecclesiophobia. (laughs) Fear of the church. And just to go on for Tim's, homilophobia. Fear of sermons, whether long or short. There you go, no comment. Fear is a strong emotion, and um, there are times in all of our lives, I guess, when we would have identified a time when we had fear, whether it be health, or over finances, or our family, or the future, or death itself. And in um, this passage, and part of the passage in um, chapter 43, as we have it, Isaiah addresses the subject of fear as well. It's kind of a thread that runs through the whole Bible. You will know this. Uh, in sort of woven through the whole scriptures, it's the most repeated command in the Bible is do not be afraid, do not fear. I haven't counted them up, but Rick Warren says there's 365 of them, one for each day of the year. Do not fear or do not be afraid. And uh, in this passage, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to his people, his people there and then, his people that would read his prophecy in the years to come, and his people that are reading it now, tonight, reading his prophecy again. And he hears from God in an incredible way. And Isaiah has prophesied the fall of Israel, The northern kingdom has fallen to the Assyrians, and it was terrible. And for a time, the southern kingdom, Judah and Jerusalem, were spared, but he also sees that that judgment and destruction will come because the Babylonians will come. And judgment falls on God's people from God because of their forgetfulness. They're led into idolatry and to sin and to breaking their covenant with God because they forget. Psalm 106, if you've ever read it, it repeats that the troubles that Israel experienced flow from their forgetfulness. They did not remember the many kindnesses of God. They soon forgot what God had done. They forgot the God who saved them. They even forgot the God who saved them. Astonishing, isn't it? And so the Lord hands them over. And it seems 
difficult for us when we read some of the Old Testament scriptures of, of how God deals with his people. But he clearly states in, in, through Isaiah's prophecy that it's the Lord who's handed them over. It's not the might of the Assyrians or the might of the Babylonians, but actually the Lord has handed them over. And right next to that description that Isaiah brings that God has handed them over, he says that God has not finished with us yet. And chapter 43, as it begins, contains some of the most tenderest words that God has spoken to his children. Now, this is what the Lord says. And when you read that in um, Isaiah's prophecy, if it's the Lord with capitals L-O-R-D, it's Yahweh. The name he's using it is the name that was revealed to Moses at the burning bush. I am who I am. And he says, I am, says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Verse 2 of 43, I will be with you. Verse 4, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. Hear these words of God to his people then and now. To you, tonight, here. You are mine. I love you. I will be with you. So in this passage, Isaiah reminds the people of God then and now who they are to God. And who God is to them. He's the one we've been singing about, a loving father. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So we are called to remember as we read this passage that salvation begins with God's love. And begins with God's choice of us. We are chosen. That's why I started with that passage from Peter. Peter realized that we are a chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We were chosen. We don't realize that until after we've come to faith in Christ. We, we always thought we made the decision to follow Jesus. But it's only afterwards that we realize actually he chose us to be his. But he doesn't promise, as Jesus never promised, a quick fix or a trouble-free life or a trouble-free future. But what he does promise, as he reiterates in this passage, is his sustaining, saving presence right through to journey's end, come what may. Through all the ups and downs of the people of God throughout the Old Testament, God remains faithful and he calls them to come back and come back and come back. Even through the sin and disobedience. And he even calls his own people the servants that they are, deaf and blind. Because they've stopped their ears, they've closed their eyes. And then that wonderful passage, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. Interestingly, he doesn't say, I will take you around the waters and I will take you around the rivers and I will fly you over the fire. Because sometimes we feel like that if we're going through those things and we think, where is God in this? We want him to airlift us over. That's not what he says. He says, I will be with you. But what his promise is, we will not be destroyed. 
And these are words to treasure in our hearts. So the people of God who might be turning to Isaiah's scriptures when they're in exile in Babylon will be reading this. Why why are we in exile in Babylon? Because of the disobedience of our forebears. Yet God has promised this. He is with us here. But he's also promised to bring us back. So as the old covenant opens even into the new as the people of God... And we, as the people of God, who stand on this side of the cross and the empty tomb, which are the the foundations of our faith, we too are exiles and strangers in this world. This is not our home yet. This is enemy territory that the Lord is redeeming. And one day is going to come again. And make it all new. And then heaven and earth will be joined together. Yes. And it will be perfect. But throughout this Isaiah is saying. God says you are my children. And he will do whatever it takes. To bring us home into his kingdom. Even discipline us. Even. Sometimes take us through. The fire and. The rivers. But he will not abandon us there. He will do whatever it takes to bring us through. And bring us home into his kingdom. So the prophet Isaiah sees and he speaks to the current day that he was in. Prophesying the fall of Babylon will take Jerusalem and the temple. And then Persia will rise. But God is in control of it all. It's hard to see that, isn't it? Don't tell me for a moment you haven't heard of something called Brexit. And sometimes when I pray about it and I just say, Lord, you're in control. I have no idea what is going to happen. But may your kingdom come. May your will be done. Throughout history, as we look back, we see God's hand in it all. But amazing, more amazing than that, as we read through this passage, we see that Isaiah actually has a glimpse of even something greater. He sees beyond. And he says those words, see, I am doing a new thing. But before that, he has to remind God's people that unlike the pagan so-called gods around them, and he almost teases them, which of those pagan gods foretold what was going to happen? Well, none of them foretold it because they can't speak. They have no mouths. They cannot save. He is in charge of history. That bit where he says, I was before all things and I will be after all things. He has no beginning and no end. You know, one of the questions on Alpha two weeks ago, who who invented God? Great question, but... mm, Without beginning, without end. Harks us back to chapter 40. With whom will you compare me, says the Lord? How we can compare him with anyone. And through this passage and through certainly the early parts of Isaiah, we see the weakness of God's people. And they have rebuffed God again and again, but he is still faithful to them. 
And he still calls them his witnesses. God has not got a plan B. Plan A is to call a people to himself, to be witnesses to him, to the whole world. Still servants of the Lord, fulfilled in the church of Jesus Christ. But nothing can stop the Lord from his saving work or reverse his finished work of salvation. Not only God saves us, but he keeps us safe. He says, when I act, who can reverse it? Yes, the people will be taken into Babylonian captivity. It will be a time of discipline and judgment, but he promises to redeem them and break the power of the Babylonians. And then in verses 16 and 18 and those following, we have these interesting things where he encourages the people to look back. Who made a way through the sea? Who delivered you out of slavery? But then he also encourages to look forward, forget the former things. See, I am doing a new thing. And this new thing that he's doing is even greater. It's even greater than the return from Babylon will be. And and that will be good. When the people come back and they rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And that's great. And they'll rebuild the temple and that will be great. But Isaiah sees even something better than that. He's predicting something greater than that. And it's something that we celebrate And look forward to in this season of Advent. Verses 22 to 28. I will forgive your sins. How? God himself will come. As we look forward to celebrating Christmas where we remember that the father gave his only son. In exchange for our sin. This is a new thing. Salvation for the whole world will be proclaimed. And not only that, as we got to the end of the passage, Isaiah prophesies the pouring out the Holy Spirit on all God's people. You know that in the Old Testament, Holy Spirit only came on individuals at certain times for particular tasks, came upon Isaiah. How else did he know? How could he see? It was a revelation of the Holy Spirit, but he prophesies the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. When God brought out his people, Moses built a tent or a tabernacle which was filled with the presence of God. And then David had that vision of building the temple and Solomon built it to be a house for the presence of God, knowing that God can't live in a house, but it was a meeting place. But when Jesus comes, he says, I will send you another like me to live with you and be in you. And in turning us as those who believe into walking, talking tabernacles and temples, you will be my witnesses. In Acts chapter 2, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. See, I'm doing a new thing, Isaiah says. God is doing an amazing thing. 
And it actually involves the renewal of the whole creation. This is the new thing. He's going to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? He will create a new creation, a new humanity. And it will be accomplished through his servant, Jesus, the perfect Israel. The beautiful Savior, the glorious Lord, our Lord, and nothing can stop him. We talked just at the beginning of fears. I want you to listen to some words of Jesus about fear and worry. We're going to just see it on the screen if we can. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Can we just leave that on there? Thanks. Jesus says, do not be afraid, little flock, For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Jesus also says elsewhere, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. And after that can do no more. Death is not the worst thing. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you will say. Jesus, in fact, doesn't want us to fear anything. It's really hard, isn't it? Because we, we do. In our lives, we fear things. But he calls us to trust him with everything. And the things that he covers is even death and sickness and poverty and public shame. He says, do not be afraid for I am with you. And there is a final fear that sometimes grips even the people of God. Is God really good? Have you ever had that momentary fear when you think, is is he really good? And Jesus wants to assure us that he is good, really good. And he is pleased to give you the kingdom. Our Heavenly Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. 
to give you the kingdom. He's made everything ready and everything possible. He has done it all to give you the kingdom. He is good all the time. And we can trust him all the time. And we belong to him. And through Isaiah's prophecy of the days that he spoke into right then, which were dark days where the people had forgotten God, there is that woven throughout, come back, come back, as the Lord calls us home. So do not fear, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Let's pray.